Welcome back to Food Chain, presented by Perky. Today's guest, we have Mark Metry, a mental health advocate with us. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Hey, Voss. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate everything you've made with Perfy, and uh, super excited to talk to you. Awesome, man. Let's start off with who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you're at today. So I'm just a guy. I'm pretty young. I host a podcast. I'm an author. I'm an advisor. I'm a coach. And, you know, really for me, I have so many different hats that I wear, but really for me, I think the most important thing that I always try to like talk about, and I always try to put the attention on in my content, in my platform, in my opinions is just like always on mental health, on brain health, because it's something that I suffered from for like 10 years. And I really lived a life thinking that, oh, this is my life forever. And it wasn't until I started to discover different tools where I really got myself back. I got my brain back and I've just been trying to share those with as many people as I can. What were those, some of those tools that you discovered? There's so many, right? But the main ones for me, if you go on Google and you type in my name, Mark Metry, you'll see like a Forbes article and it talks about me like praising mindfulness meditation. So that's one. I definitely am a huge fan of mindfulness meditation. I try to do it every single day. It's a complete game changer. And especially for me, like in a lot of my content, I like talk about social anxiety. I wrote a book on it. And so a lot of people who have social anxiety can find a lot of great benefits in meditation. It's a total game changer. And then another one too, which sort of leads to like a bigger concept, which is basically called nutritional psychiatry. And the idea behind nutritional psychiatry is looking at your brain like an organ that houses your mind. And recognizing that your brain as an organ, it needs different variety of nutrients and vitamins and fats to function properly. And for certain people in certain situations, if your brain health is not doing so well, then your mental health is almost always going to be in the trash. And so for me, discovering this concept of like nutritional psychiatry totally changed my life. It was probably like one of the main things that gave me like a real physical feeling difference uh, in a short time. We can get more into that, but I think those two are like really the main things that I think are most helpful, like meditation and nutrition. What are some of the things that you can do with nutritional psychiatry? Like what are some of the foods that are suggested with that? So again, when it comes to like people's diet, everyone does differently on a different diet. But what I would say is that I believe there's about 12 key like nutrients that like scientists have identified. And uh, there's this doctor, his name is Dr. Drew Ramsey. I've had him on my podcast twice. Him and, and some other people have kind of coined this term nutritional psychiatry. And they basically found there's like 12 nutrients that your brain needs. I'm not going to go through all of them, but for example, one of them is called like omega-3 fatty acids. I'm sure you know this. It's mm -hmm. like mostly found in fish. There's different kinds, but it's like mostly found in fish. And like, what's interesting too, is like, if you bring that into like the real world application, I know that the department of justice did a study with deceased military veterans. And what they found was something like if they were deficient in omega-3 fatty acids, then their risk of suicide was like 65% higher. And I can like send you the study. It's yeah. pretty mind blowing. If you look at it from that perspective, 
I mean, that's one of them. Another one, for example, is like not necessarily a nutrient that your brain needs per se, but I'm sure you know this because of Perfy, but like there's this entire classification of like plants and mushrooms called adaptogens. I know in Perfy that you guys put ashwagandha. I know turmeric is also considered an adaptogen. These basically are compounds that help your body and your cells deal with stress. They help to regulate cortisol. And like, just personally for me, I've been taking adaptogens like every single day for the last maybe like two and a half months. And I can tell that there's like a fundamental upgrade in like the entire system, my brain, my body that is very noticeable, you know? So there's so many things I could talk about this all day, but like those two are some of the good ones. Oh yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. We use ashwagandha and turmeric based on the flavor and perfume. Our fourth flavor is our second flavor with ashwagandha and they're all paired with L-theanine, uh, which is a nootropic. Hey, I've got a random question and maybe not so random, but have you seen that article? It's the new dietary like suggestions that suggest that people are better off eating frosted mini wheats. What else we got here? Honey nut Cheerios and Lucky Charms instead of things like there's actually even M&Ms above egg fried oh, wow. butter and cheddar cheese and ground beef. Have you seen that? Yeah, man. I saw it. And when I first saw it, I, I thought it was like a parody. Like I thought someone was like trolling, but then it was, oh, you know, Tufts University School of Nutrition, Science and Policy like came out with this and it's crazy and it's very sad. Like you would think that in 2022, like I remember when I was a kid sitting in house class, them giving us the food pyramid where it said to eat 12 servings of carbohydrates every single day. And like, you would think we would have evolved from that, but clearly like there's a lot of money in the industry. I think like there was a study done that showed that like the people who made decisions on that board, 95% of them basically had major conflicts or had stakes in those exact food companies and different pharmaceutical companies even. So it's so sad to be honest with you. Like, it's really sad. I saw the article that you're talking about that said that 95% of them have a conflict of interest. It might be the same article, but I saw more information today about who exactly was on or funded that research. And Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, Vail Institute for Global Research. There's people from Akasi Pharma, Barilla, Danone, Motif Foodworks. What else we got here? Membership of scientific advisory boards for Barron Therapeutics, Bright Seed Calibrate, Day 2, Elysium Health. All of these people, there's a few others as well, but it's pretty interesting how people who have, I mean, that's exactly what a conflict of interest is, an interest in other things that they benefit from for having these products above eggs, cheddar cheese, and ground beef. It's, it's criminal. It's so interesting. And like, I wonder where this is going to go in the future too, because, you know, like a couple other things, like I know next month, like in the white house, like the president and his administration, they're holding like a major conference about like nutrition and health. And I know that like the people who made this chart, like they're going to be a big part of that conference. And then another thing too, that's happening is that I think a couple months ago, the house of representatives, they passed a law and it basically mandates that medical schools and doctors start to teach their patients, the correlation between their diseases and their diet. So you know, there's some good things in there, but also at the same time, it's like, if they create like this perception of nutrition, that is like their own definition that is being funded by companies 
then it's going to be like a very like 1984, like changing the definitions type of stuff. You know what I mean? And so if they start like, you know, at this conference next month, if they start telling people like, Hey, you guys got to eat more Cheerios and frosted mini wheats. That's the problem. And the other problem that I find with this too, is that like in this chart, I have it up. They do have some things here, like up high, like, for example, they tell you to eat watermelon. They tell you to eat kale. They tell you to eat um, chicken breasts. Or I guess chicken breast is a little bit better than Lucky Charms. I'm also noticing that there's like a huge, huge resistance to like animal-based foods. It's so interesting too, because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's like a scientist. And he was telling me about the study that him and his team were doing. And he was literally telling me that it was a study about food and nutrition and like looking at different nutrients and things like that. And he was telling me that, I'm not going to say who, because I don't want to get him in trouble, but he was basically telling me that they told him to not count like red meat and eggs, the other animal foods they allowed, but they just told him to not even put red meat and eggs into the study, even though within this specific study, eggs and red meat would have both qualified to be in the study, like just based on the data. And like the reason why I find that an issue is because when you tell people to like eat a whole foods diet, which is like the best like frame of mind, the best framework, the most nutritious, the most like calorically dense, the most protein dense food, whole food out there is animals. And so a lot of the times, like what I've seen a thousand times is like you have people they want to be healthy. They sort of like look at going vegan as like the number one, like, you know, diet of all diets, like the healthiest thing you could possibly be doing. So then people end up cutting out meat and then they end up like eating beans and like all these other substitutes. And a lot of times unhealthy substitutes, like all like these random uh, soy, like processed foods that have a ton of sugar and have a ton of chemicals in them. And like, that just does not improve anybody's health, you know? And so that's another part of it that kind of worries me too, is like this, like demonization of like animal products, whether they're doing that because of the environment or whether companies have realized like, oh, most nutrients, most things come from animal diets. Let's get them to switch off that and eat our food that we can product and we can market in grocery stores like cereal. You know, so that also worries me a lot that I also see like in conjunction with this data, like beef and eggs sort of being at like the worst thing that you could possibly eat, you know? So that's also scary to me because like animal foods are not just like protein dense, like animal foods have the highest concentration of like trace minerals and other minerals that your brain actually needs. And like, there's actually theories out there that even say that like human beings became humans through the invention of fire and through eating meat. And that calorically dense product was able to allow our brains to develop with the right amount of fatty acids and protein to make us human. And so it's just a very interesting trend that I hope the truth or some version of the truth can come out because I think it's hurting a lot of people. And I see this all over the place and you can think back a few different times. There was advertisements back in like the 40s and 50s, maybe even sooner, that said tobacco was good for you. It suggested smoking. If you've watched <laughs> Mad Men, I couldn't get past the first couple episodes of Mad Men, but I know that they were pitching a campaign for camel cigarettes and they made it almost like a health thing. Like you should smoke around your babies. 
and people wisened up. And then again, in the 60s, there was a sugar movement and people that were like the lobbyists, people that had interest in the sugar industry had so many different advertisements saying like, man, I could pull some up right now. They're, they're so good. I post them on Twitter all the time, but basically saying you should have your ice cream before you, you work out. Or if you want your baby to be a healthy baby, feed it a good scoop of ice cream. And all of these things over time, and this just feels like a, a modern day version of, of those things. Even uh, you probably remember the Got Milk campaign in the late 90s, I think it was. There was no brand type behind that. It was just pushing milk on people. And this to me is just another one of those campaigns, but in a, a little bit more strategic of a way. And it, it kind of ties in with you know, the demonization of eating animal meats and saying that it's terrible on the environment. And I get, I'm willing to accept that people believe that eating beef is ruining the earth. If that's the case, that's one thing, but it's tying in with a lot of different, if you look at Holland, Dutch farmers are, they were you know protesting a month or two ago because they're not allowed to grow as much meat. And just in Canada, I think there was a, there's quotas on how much fertilizer you can use. And I think it was Sweden or some other European country where folks have to cut back on their cattle uh, production by anywhere from five to 95% based on certain geographies of the country. And there's angry farmers out there saying, we're trying to come up with innovations, but everything that we come up with, we're getting denied. So for me, this new kind of dietary guidelines suggesting frosted mini wheats and honey nut Cheerios and Lucky Charms over ground beef and eggs and cheese, which a lot of people that's reverse a lot of metabolic disease. Like there's a lot of people who've reversed diabetes or pre-diabetes by eating, you know, high fat, zero to no carbs and moderate protein. And it just confuses me. And you don't quite know what the truth is unless you've done it yourself. And it just, this kind of segues into another article that came out this weekend and I posted on my LinkedIn and the headline is climate change leading to more childhood obesity with less physical activity study finds. And to me, it's just another case of, well, who funded the research? Is there any conflict of interest there? You know? It's so interesting. And I really hope that this is like not some conspiracy, you know, it's just different factors coming together, but it's not necessarily easy to say that or to claim that. And You know, I mean, listen, I think when it comes to animal foods, like, yeah, I don't think it's reasonable for every single person in the, on the planet to eat a steak every single day. Right. But also at the same time, like if you look into the environment and you look into farming, it's not necessarily like a linear conclusion that cows cause environmental, you know, pollution. And, you know, if you talk to a lot of people, people who are a lot smarter than me when it comes to farming, like they'll tell you that the problem is not animals. The problem is not plants. It's how. So industrial farming of animals, that's not good. Industrial farming of plants, that's also not good. But for people to say, oh, look at these animals. They're the ones causing the problems. That's just like one part of the equation that people are really cherry picking. And like, if you understand the earth's ecosystem, Animals have to die. You have to have animals that poop that can create fertile soil in order for plants to properly grow, you know? And so it's not like this black and white equation of like, oh, you can only eat animals. Oh, you only can eat plants. Like, I don't view it like that. I'm one of those people where I eat both. I eat animals. I eat plants. I try to be responsible in the sourcing of it, but I try my best, you know, and I watch this whole YouTube videos for like an hour. 
And it basically debunked the claim that like red meat is causing environmental or it's causing climate change. And it's like the main thing. It's a really mind blowing video, actually. And it, and it like just goes to show you that it's so easy for people to like cherry pick the data based on what they want to show, based on who they're funded by. You know, it's very interesting. And like the whole environmental thing that you said, I mean, I don't know, man. I think the biggest reason why kids are inside today is because the generations before us have created a depressing world where it's depressing to be outside due to a wide variety of issues. And like, why would a kid choose to be outside when they can just stay inside and like play video games in the AC and eat Lucky Charms? (laughs) One thing we haven't mentioned is there was a little thing called the pandemic where people like public parks were closed, gyms were closed. I Apple F'd a few different search terms. Sugar wasn't in here. The amount of sugar consumed and the rate of diabetes, type 2 diabetes among children skyrocketed during the pandemic, but they couldn't go to the gym. They couldn't go outside. They couldn't go to public parks. If they did go outside, they had to socially distance. So I think the timing of this might be bad. And it doesn't say it's kind of a a very skin deep article. Maybe it's just FUD and it's just someone trolling or something, but it's got the author here. It was published Saturday. I don't get it, but it's a bad time to, to take these metrics and say kids are becoming more obese because of climate change. They just couldn't go outside as much. Soda was much more readily available. There's very few schools. I don't say, shouldn't say very few, but schools don't have as much soda that might be available at home or I always think in terms of soda, but they have readily accessible food at home at all times. There's a lot of people that gain weight during the pandemic. And literally part of my pitch deck is Gen Z and millennials are the two highest groups that reported unwanted weight gain during 2020 and 2021. And I feel like this crazy headline is the equivalent of saying, yeah, millennials and Gen Z are gaining unwanted weight because of climate change. I don't think that's very accurate. You know, what's so crazy, man, is that like, I think they are aware. And again, just like being a little cynical here, I think that they're aware that like a lot of younger people, they care a lot about the environment. Like, I don't know if you've seen this article, but like there was this article and it said like, oh, what are the foods that have the lowest and the highest environmental impact? And I'm not even joking. They said that the number one food that has the lowest environmental impact are sport and energy drinks. And then number two, this is exactly what it says. Fizzy drinks, including cola. (laughs) (laughs) You could definitely tell like who funded this for sure. You know, so I think like they're trying to use that as like a vehicle to like trick a lot of people, you know? And, um, And I honestly, like, I think that the pandemic was probably the worst thing to have happened to like the world, whether it's because of the actual pandemic or what we did as a result of the pandemic, it literally made everything worse. It made the mental health epidemic much worse. Kind of like to your point, it put everyone in their houses where, you know, this country already had an issue with like junk food and putting people in their homes. And, uh, you know, I personally believe that the number one drug of this country of America is food. I remember a time where I was obese and I was so depressed where like, I would literally go to McDonald's to like, give myself this like nostalgic feeling of like love that I felt as a kid. And so I think like what's happening is that there are so many underlying mental health issues already 
people are medicating themselves. They're medicating themselves to regulate their nervous system with junk food, which then makes their mental health worse, which then makes their metabolic health worse, which then makes their actual life worse, which then lowers their energy, which then destroys their brain, lowers their focus, removes their ability to focus on what they actually want to be doing with their life, which then creates more depression, feelings of lower self-worth. It's like a perfect storm. It's hard. Like It's honestly hard for me. Like I don't necessarily have a problem with like eating junk food because, you know, I've hammered it into my brain so much and I'm not even really tempted to eat junk food, but like literally for hundreds of millions of people, this is a problem that they have every single day. And, and then like, but then like the other side of it too, is like the health and wellness industry that says, Oh, lose weight. Like they're not even any better. Like literally what happens is that every few months or every year, a different diet comes along and you know, I think that different diets, like different tools, they have their place. But also at the same time, like there's all these companies that sell all this crap, that sell all like these detox smoothies and all these things that even if it's like, oh, no sugar, but then they just have like a bunch of chemicals that like, you know, ruins your body. And so it's just like a very, very confusing scenario. For example, like I talked to a lot of uh, like girls and for girls, like I think it's even worse because they're taught to basically conflate like their self-image and their self-worth like as their beauty, as their appearance with how much they eat, which then creates eating disorders, which is like the second most deadly mental illness. And so this is a huge problem. And it's a huge problem that's number one caused by like the literal food that we're eating, like the junk food. Number two, it's caused by the lack of good food. Like I think that people are under eating. So many of us, we're not eating enough healthy foods. And then number three, this issue is made by marketing departments of all these billion dollar conglomerates that are like literally like training in our psychology in like the age of five to like want these foods. And like this literally creates like so many problems. Like this creates addiction. This creates so many mental health problems that it's like so sad to see that like an entire country has basically like sold its sense of morality and doing right for like your fellow neighbor just for more money. Like it's yeah. so sad. A couple of things I wanted to touch on that you, you mentioned. First one is one thing I love about the new generations is that the word diet and the word guilt are quickly being removed from marketing copy. We saw how there was a huge change led by cola, I think. That was the first time I saw it, made, where zero sugar became a thing. And that's cool. You know, that, that's better than Diet Coke. And the whole diet culture creating what's, what's called uh, eating disorders is it's terrible. And then the whole thing about like the guilt is one that gets my goat because I hate, I see a lot of brands that are transitioning away from it. And I work with a few that have or used to have the word guilt in there. And I don't think really anybody should feel guilty about what they eat. There's phenomenally ripped people who track their macros and are able to stay that way by eating a certain breakdown. And that's great. And that works for them. But those are two things that I, I really appreciate about the new generation speaking up is like, hey, you got to get rid of these words. They do it on social, they push back. And I particularly enjoy that. The second thing I want to touch on is 100%, I think food is, well, statistically, I don't actually have the numbers, but I know fentanyl is the drug that's the number one killer of people 24 to 45. And those numbers were based off of 2021. But I used to use food as a drug. 
And in some ways I still kind of do when I lost a ton of people back to back to back to back, like just nonstop over the past four or five years, I stopped working out. I used to be a really fit dude when I worked at quest and even after, and I turned to food to kind of get rid of it. It was like, uh, I was working my ass off. I was laying in fetal position. I was, every time I got stressed out, I would just go smash something crazy that I'd never eaten before because I restricted that from my diet for decades. Like I, I didn't quite do fast food. I'm, I'm not into that, but there were certain things where I was like, I want to have loco moco. That's always looked delicious. I want to have some. And I ended up having to literally treat it as a drug addiction because in December I took the entire month off and I checked into a camp called premier fitness camp in Carlsbad I, the Sunday after Thanksgiving to Christmas day. And when I went in, I had eaten myself into pre-diabetes to a weight that I'm not going to share, but it was the heaviest I've ever weighed. I've lost 40 or 50 since then. And when I wow. went in, my blood sugar was over 130 fasted. I eat dinner at five or 6 PM the night before they tested us the Monday morning, they tested us. I was like, damn, that's the highest it's ever been You know, classified as pre-diabetes. And then by the time I left, it was 86 or 87. So I was able to reverse my blood fasting blood sugar was like within five weeks and working out three or four times a day and learning about eating habits again. But I just want to say, I agree with you. And I, I experienced that firsthand. Wow, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, and dude, I wish you the best on your journey. And the more and more you get comfortable, like keep sharing that story, man, because like there's so many people that got to hear that because it's uh, like you said, like it's, it's like a huge problem. So it's, it's like really a, uh, it's like a problem that affects every area of your life, you know? And it's, uh, I'm so glad that you were able to like change paths because uh, so many people unfortunately don't. So good for you, dude. I appreciate it, man. What made you check into that camp? It was a decision I was going back and forth on for a few months, but I hope one day that I finally get back to my normal weight so I could share this before and after. But the real thing that started creating those thoughts in my head, like, hey, I think I got a problem here, was I saw myself in the mirror the end of June last year, and I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? I don't recognize this human being anymore. And I was irritable. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like how I looked. I'm still not stoked on how I look, but I'm getting better. But it was seeing myself and not knowing who I was anymore, both physically and mentally. And then that I tried doing it myself for a couple of months. I was doing like yoga and stretching in the back and in my garage and wasn't working out. I wasn't holding myself accountable. And finally I said, F this, the way that this is going to work is I've got to punish myself financially and I hopefully won't mess that one up. So I checked in, paid the expense of five weeks and it really helped kind of kill that last person that was probably killing me. And I've been improving ever since. Dude, that's awesome, man. Like if I can share something too, like for me back in 2015, like when I was really overweight, I had a very similar moment. And I was also like getting suicidal thoughts at the time. And I remember like one day at like 2, 3 a.m. coming back from like being out at night, like looking at myself in the mirror and like literally having those same exact thoughts that you said of like, who am I? Like, I don't even recognize myself. And like, that was very slowly like the line in between the sand that I look back on today as like, oh yeah, that was like, that was a new beginning. Like that was a a new beginning of, of all beginnings that like changed my life. And, you know, like, I think ultimately like, you know, from your own perspective, from people who resonate with you, and then from my own perspective and my own story, that's different than yours and people who resonate with me. Like, I think it's honestly like going to be up to people like us 
to like share our stories, like literally hundreds of millions of people in America are having these problems. And I think ultimately, like we've learned that like, it's not the government, it's not going to be some scientific institution. It's not going to be a lot of these people who we think maybe should help people, but it's going to be people like you and I who are going to share our stories that's going to resonate with with this person and that person that I think ultimately is going to help change like the course of the country, hopefully. I hope so, man. I stayed in like a little bit of a cave since the pandemic hit. I grew my hair out. Like I think I went like two years without cutting my hair. I didn't go outside much. I had no vitamin D, didn't work out. My agency did well, but man, I was doing some damage to myself. And hopefully people know like, hey, if you're going through that, there's a way to get out. You know, I still got a long way to go. But one thing that actually helped as much hate and trolls there are on TikTok, seeing some people who really changed their lives over the past 12 to 18 months, that shit always inspires me. Because I mean, my record weight loss is 70 pounds. Once I get done with this one, I'll beat that record. But I've always been up and down. As a kid, I was enormous. I couldn't even play uh, peewee football or whatever they call it, Pop Warner. Lost all the weight in high school, gained it back in college, lost all the weight. And then put it back on after all that trauma happened. But I think there's ways for people to hopefully relate and know that they're not alone. That's kind of why I'm sharing it more often these days. Yeah, man, it's so important. The people on TikTok, like they're going to TikTok, you know, you can't live in their reality. I don't even try to think about what they think about because when you do, then you start to step into their reality and it gets you out of the reality, like your own reality that you should be living with your beliefs, you know? So yeah. People are always going to hate, man. Like, like, you know, like literally if you do anything, like if you do the best thing in the world, somewhere, someone is going to hate. Like if you look at anybody in history that has ever like done a significant amount of change, that's like changed the world. Usually when they were alive, everybody hated them, you know? And so there's definitely a line with that, but I definitely think I commend what you're doing. Like, for example, like what you're doing with Perfy, you know, like, that's like such a prime example of like what I think also is like going to change the world of like, you know, like you don't necessarily need to tell people that they need to stop drinking Coke. They got to drink Olipop's Coke. I don't know if I should have mentioned them, okay. uh, you know, if, instead of drinking fruit punch, you got to drink some Perfy instead of, you know, like eating ice cream that has a ton of sugar and whatever and what, and what have you, like there's alternatives that don't have those things, you know? And so I think that's also going to be like a huge help for so many people as well, myself included, you know? So I think that food, like ultimately, like if you look at evolutionary biology, like food is what made us human. And it's interesting to look at how now food is what's killing us. It's killing our physical health. It's causing or exacerbating our mental health issues. And I think ultimately, like we need to find some sort of a solution. I don't really have hope, but I hope that next month and like with some of these new laws that are passing that are like mandating, you know, doctors teach their patients the correlation between their diet and their food and different policies. Like I hope those things can uh, not be sold, not continue to sell people but to actually help people. So that's what I hope, man. I just have no faith in that. It's the same people that wrote that article. Yeah, yeah I have no I'm, faith. Like, I'm not even relying on that. I'm going to watch it, but it's going to be like the equivalent of watching like 90 Day Fiance or something like that. You know, it's going to be <laughs> for pure entertainment purposes. <laughs> I can't and, wait. Yeah, actually, I'm going to get some perfy, kick back on the couch and laugh and, and cry. But <laughs> yeah, 
on that note, um, Mark, where can everyone find you? So the best spot is, is if people just go on Google and they type in my name, Mark Metry, or they go on Instagram or they go on my LinkedIn and you type in Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y, people should just add me, send me a message that you came from this podcast. If you ever have any questions, anything like that, I, I'm pretty easy to get in touch with. So hit me up. Vasa, you're the best. Thank you so much. You got it, man. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Have a great day. All right. Take care.